You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, I'm not going to start off this week's show with a long rant on a single subject. I actually have a lot of announcements I have to make. We have to get out of the way. Tomorrow night is the first of the uh, three presidential debates. Romney v. Obama. I will be watching and I will be blogging at slog.thestranger.com along with some of my colleagues from The Stranger. Please tune in. If you have not yet thrown a little money at the uh, presidential election, there is still time. Please go to barackobama.com and kick in a few bucks. Um... We wanted to let everybody know that we are going to, by popular demand, bowing to popular demand, we're going to be doing a second and now second annual creepy Halloween sex horror stories show. Last year, we invited people to call in 206-201-2720 is the number and share their tales of sex horror. Uh, so if in the last 12 months you've had a particularly creepy sex horror story or you didn't share one in the last show, give us a call and share your story and we will be doing an entire show on Halloween dedicated to our listeners' creepy sex stories. Also, tickets on sale now for Hump, uh, the Pacific Northwest's biggest, best and only amateur and locally produced porn festival. It goes down in Seattle, Portland and Olympia now. The show opens in uh, Portland and Seattle on – November 8th, uh, plays in Olympia at the Capitol Theater on November 14th and an extra weekend in Seattle. Uh, but tickets are on sale now. People are always after me to know when tickets are on sale. They're on sale now. And you just have to go to humpseattle.com or humpportland.com to order your tickets. And please remember to vote, motherfuckers. In fact, I don't think I need to tell you motherfuckers to vote. I've been yelling at my listeners, people who actually download a list of this podcast, to vote, motherfuckers. For so long that I assume all of you are registered to vote and all of you – some of you may have already voted in Iowa and Ohio. Go Ohio. I know a lot of people listen in Ohio. I want you people to get out there and vote because of course you're all registered to vote and you're all voting in places where you can uh, early vote because you've been listening to me badger you to vote for so long and you all always do exactly what I tell you to do, which is why I'm going to tell you to do something else. Make sure that your friends who aren't listening to the podcast are registered and are voting, go find somebody in your life who has never voted and help them break their voting cherry in this election. It is that important and not just important at the top of the ticket, not just important um, to reelect Barack Obama, important to hold the Senate and if we can, take the House. To my listeners in Minnesota, Michelle Bachman is vulnerable. How sweet would that be to wake up on November 7th and open the paper or open – the laptop and see that Michelle Bachman got her batshit ass handed to her by the voters in her district. So in Minnesota, if you're a listener, of course you're registered. Of course you're voting. The, the odds that you live in Michelle Bachman's district, very slim. But the odds that you might know someone who lives in Michelle Bachman's district who is not registered to vote, who should be registered and could vote and could help vote that batshit gay married bitch out, very high. Go find that person, listeners in Minnesota, and get that person to vote. All right. Public service announcement and mini rant over. Your call's after this. ExtremeRestraints.com is the ultimate fetish store and so much more. No matter how vanilla or how kinky you are, Extreme Restraints carries toys for you. They've got huge selections of premium vibrators, extreme bondage gear, 
fucking machines, giant realistic dildos, and more at great prices. Save an extra 10% with coupon code GGGOCTOBER. Double that discount if you use it by Sunday. 20% off if you go to ExtremeRestraints.com by Sunday and enter GGGOCTOBER at checkout. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hey, Dan. My name's Jason. I've been with my wife for about 10 years now. Um, we've never had good sex. Um, she says that she's never had an orgasm. I've, I'm the only partner she's ever had. She's never masturbated before I met her. She really hasn't since I met her. A couple of years ago, I, I think I took your advice. I took somebody's advice. I bought her a vibrator. She didn't have one. I left it on the table. I didn't say a word to her. I just left it on the table with a note that said, I don't care if I ever see this again. Just know that I want you to find yourself because it had been a topic, you know, that she doesn't get any pleasure from sex. Um, she mentioned later on that she tried it. She didn't really like it. She said it was like trying to tickle yourself. That was her words. It doesn't work when she does it to herself. Anyway, last December, we broke up. Um, we're still married, but we're going to get back together. But I went away with a girl that I've known forever, um, and I thought maybe it was me. Maybe I suck at sex. But I, with this other girl, sex was amazing. Best thing I've ever had in my life. And I didn't change anything. It was just having a receptive partner who could tell me what she wanted. And I'm a, I'm a very, I think I'm GGG. I'll do anything to help, you know, the other person get off. This new girl turned out to be a psychopath. Long story. Um, anyway, I'm getting back together my, with my wife for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is that I do love her. I always have. But I want to get this right. I want to have a good sex life, and I need some help. I don't know, I, don't, I mean, I don't know, hormones. I don't know how to, maybe she's one of them people who can't get off. I don't know. Um, I'm 35. She's 34. I feel like at this point she should be coming into her prime. That's what everybody says. But yet there's no sexual drive there. There's no. There's no passion for sex. There's no feeling, and I know that I'm good at it but I can't seem to, you know, find that magic button or whatever. Psychos are always the best at sex. It just has to be said. If you go to bed with somebody that first time and they are amazing, you need to be on your guard because the odds that they're a psycho, not 100%, but slightly higher than somebody who's just, you know, okay that first time and gets better. Somebody who's amazing that first time. Much higher probability that you're in bed with a fucking nut job. Anyway, what to do about this uh, person that you're married to, your wife? Uh, I think you should... Not get back together with her unless you get back together with her on these terms that I shall now lay out. Um, I would love to be married to you. I love you and I want to be your husband. Um, but I also want to have a great sex life. And if being your husband means I cannot have a great sex life, I can't be your husband. But I can be your husband if I can also have great sex with other people. There you go. That's the only way out. Uh, it sounds like she wants to be married to you. It doesn't sound like she's a terribly sexual person. Uh, nor will she become one because you're unhappy. Uh, other people's unhappiness don't turn non-sexual people into sexual people. Perhaps she's asexual. I would – if I were you, have her take a little looky-see at the 
Asexuality Visibility Network's website and uh, look at the facts there and see if she doesn't recognize herself. And then you have a decision to make. You know, you can be married to this woman. You can love her. You can be her husband. You can be her partner. You can take care of each other. The one thing you can't be for each other uh, is that sex partner that you need and clearly she doesn't need. If she's willing to let you find sexual fulfillment with others while being her husband, then this will work. If she isn't willing to let you find sexual fulfillment with others while also being her husband and being there for her, this is going to be a disaster. You, you have tried for a decade to get blood from this stone. It ain't going to happen in a sexually exclusive arrangement. You may be able to have everything you want. This woman that you love as your wife and a sex life that is fulfilling, uh, but only if this relationship opens up. Hi, Dan. This is a 23-year-old straight female um, with a dilemma for you. So I'm like a year out of college, and I'm looking to start experimenting a little more, and I'm a little kinky, so I got a set life profile, and I met someone online, and we actually really hit it off. Um, we messaged for about a week, and then he told me that he's married, and I was like, oh, great, well, you know. Um, but I was like, okay, well, I'd like to talk to you anyway. So we had coffee, and it's just, we really hit it off. He's older, he's 41, and it sounds like his marriage is not just like, I'm going to admit my crisis, and I'm screwing around. Apparently, due to some complications with pregnancy with his son seven years ago, his wife has no libido. And pretty much it sounds like they just haven't had sex for seven years. And it sounds like he's absolutely not open to the idea of him sleeping around. And he said he nearly left two years ago. And then he started having affairs. And he just wanted to leave for the sake of his son. And he does love his wife. And this is the only way he can make his marriage work. So here's my question. Um, what should I do? I obviously have absolutely no experience in this area. I don't know if I'm comfortable being the other woman. I don't want a relationship right now. That's not what I'm looking for. I totally don't want to screw up his marriage. But I also, if she were to find out, I don't want to be responsible for hurting this other woman, even though I can understand why he wants to sleep with other people outside of his marriage, since he's not sleeping with anyone inside of his marriage. So I could really use your help. You know, in the best of all possible worlds, uh, people who were not interested in sex, who for whatever reason – and we only have uh, this guy's story to go on and sometimes people lie. But let's give him the benefit of a doubt and assume that everything he's saying is true. Uh, people for whatever reason uh, are not sexual, not interested in sex anymore, incapable of having sex anymore, but who have partners who are married uh, – would give their partners permission to do what they needed to do to stay with them and stay sane. So, you know, this thing that I can't or don't want to do anymore, uh, you go do it with somebody else. Obviously, it doesn't matter to me or, you know, it grieves me that I can't do this anymore and it matters to me very much, but I don't want you to go without forever. So get your needs met and do it discreetly uh, so as not to threaten, you know, the perceived social monogamy in our marriage and whatever else. Um, in the best of all possible worlds, that's how those situations would always play out. But in our culture, what usually happens is the person whose libido or sexual interest or capabilities collapses says to the other, you may not have sex with anyone else. I can't or I won't or I don't want to or I never really wanted to but you're married to me and 
somehow people get into their heads that they can unilaterally declare an end to their spouse's sex life. Um, and that, that person who's had their sex life declared unilaterally over may beg, plead, argue for some sort of allowance, accommodation, latitude, openness and not get buy off and then in desperation begin having affairs uh, because that's what in reality is going to happen if you're incapable or unwilling or not interested um, and your partner is still very sexual and you say you may not uh, with me or anyone else, your partner is going to cheat on you. Um, so I can understand if, of course, again, everything is as this man has described it and people have been known to lie to people they met on the internet. So grain of salt. Um, if everything is as he said, then I can't really blame him for pursuing on the down low affairs with women to get his sexual needs met because you know he values his wife. He loves her, wants to take care of her, values his family. Uh, all that said – while his actions can be justified, you're not obligated, even if everything is as he says, uh, to fuck him. If it makes you uncomfortable, if, if you know it came out that you were fucking him and you weren't interested in a relationship, but it all came out, came tumbling out, and this woman was very hurt, and you were the instrument that caused her this pain, obviously that would be a torment to you. So what you say to this guy is, "Oh God, you know, I, I empathize, I understand, I can see why uh, you might do this, you might." Uh, pursue sex outside your marriage without your wife's consent um, and more power to you but that's not something I want to participate in. It's really clear in your voice. It's really clear in your statements that you just aren't the right person for him to have affairs with. It may be the right thing for him to do or you know, the lesser of two evils which is less evil. Uh, maybe the lesser two evils for him to have sex with other women uh, but not with you because it's not something that you're comfortable with or that you want to do. So – don't do it. Send him on his way. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Going Solo, The Extraordinary Rise and Surprising Appeal of Living Alone by Eric Kleinenberg. Uh, it's terrific. I'm reading it right now. Uh, but you can listen to it. And you can listen to it for free if you want to try out audible.com services. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, uh, I'm a 25-something gay guy. I just broke up with an ex of mine a couple months ago. Uh, went well as these things could. Uh, but during the breakup, he called my family to sort of say goodbye uh, but when he talked to my sister, he told her that something terrible had happened to me and only he knew about it. And when he thought about this terrible thing that happened to me, it made him cry and very sad and how only he knew me as well. And I think he was just sort of reacting to the breakup. Um, and so it hinted at this very terrible thing that happened to me. Um, my sister sort of stopped him before he revealed it. You know, um, you know, they said their goodbyes and he hasn't spoken to them or anyone else in my family since. I now don't know what to do because uh, the thing was that I had this long affair with one of my high school teachers. Uh, no one ever really found out about it. Uh, I tried to end it at one point, but he threatened to like kick me off these school clubs that I was involved with in him. Um, I eventually sought out therapy when I was in college and sort of got over it. And I've sort of packaged it away and I'm sort of, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. Um, but the fact of people in my family knowing about it, sort of bothers me more than I think the act of 
what happened to me does. Um, and now I'm sort of in this weird place because my sister knows this vague, terrible thing happened to me. And I don't know what to do because I could either tell her or I could let her not know what happened. And I care about her and we have a great relationship, but I don't. I don't know. It's, I'm in a weird place with this. Here's what you say to your sister. You say, oh, yeah, there was a time a while ago where, you know, I was pressured, you know, coerced really into having sex with someone uh, when I was young, very young, uh, against my will. And it was deeply creepy and I got therapy and I'm fine now uh, and it's all over and I'm sorry that my crazy ex burdened you with that. And then refuse to discuss it. You don't have to disclose to your sister the exact nature or cast of characters in this trauma, just say, yeah, I, you know, a long time ago this happened. You know, I, I told him about it because because I wanted to open up to him about it and it's water under the bridge and nothing for you to worry about and I'm fine. Totally fine. La, la, la. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. Um, the only thing that I would throw out there, or my only hope, is you, you say you had this affair with your high school teacher. I'm assuming that there was a little statutory rapiness about this and then it became kind of coercive – actual rape when he threatened to retaliate against you if you ended the affair, um, all of which sounds like it would have been uh, very traumatizing. Um, and I'm glad that you're over it. I'm glad that you're fine. I'm glad that you healed. I'm glad that your sister was sort of smart enough to stop your boyfriend before he revealed something that you may not have wanted her to know. Clearly, she doesn't want to know something that you don't want her to know. So all you have to tell her is that you don't want her to know this and it's uh, ancient history and you're fine and nothing for her to worry about. Um, I'm worried about the other children who are still perhaps in this man's power. Is he still teaching? Does he still have access to vulnerable, uh, closeted gay boys? Um, I hope not. Uh, I don't want to guilt you if you know you going public with this and having the book thrown at him wasn't something that you felt that you could do. But I really hope that this man uh, is in prison dead or long retired, preferably one of the uh, first two options. Where lesser retailers are scared to go, ExtremeRestraints.com offers a vast selection and low prices. Want to ride a 16-inch cock? Want cock rings that massage your prostate while you fuck? Want realistic feeling strokers for less than 20 bucks? Want a silicone rabbit that fits on the head of your Hitachi? Extreme Restraints has all of these and so much more. Save an extra 10% on everything, no matter how kinky or vanilla, at ExtremeRestraints.com. When you use coupon code GGGOCTOBER, double that discount for 20% off if you use GGGOCTOBER by Sunday. Hey, Dan. I am 38 years old, married. My husband is 40, and we are currently expecting um, our first child. I'm about seven months pregnant. About a month ago, um, we were having sex, and um, we've always had a, fair, a really you know, enjoyable sex life, but not super frequent, one or two times a week, and we're both fine with that. Um, but about a month ago, we were having sex, and I sort of expressed a wish to my husband in a way that was hurtful, painful to him. Um, he had been like focused on one breast for like a couple minutes and I kind of, I kind of barked at him and was like, you know, can you give the other one some attention? And we had talked about that before. So I guess I was a little bit frustrated, but sometimes I feel like he's sort of on autopilot when we're having sex. And so it kind of hurt his feelings, and the next time um, we tried to have sex, he lost his erection, and we talked about it afterwards, and I thought we had a really, really good discussion talking about, you know, trying to express our 
are wants in bed more openly because um, that's something I really have trouble with, you know, talking about what I want in bed. And it was a great discussion, and I thought we were really going to move forward from that. And the next time we had to try tried to have sex, um, he ejaculated uh, prematurely. So that didn't go over great. He never has that issue. And then the next time after that, he lost his erection again. So I am left feeling, you know, one, really guilty that I've damaged him and hurt his feelings, but also really unsatisfied because what nobody really tells you about pregnancy is that you can feel really sexy and your libido can really increase. And I feel really rejected, and my husband now says he really has felt like he's lost his libido and just doesn't have a desire for sex. We've talked about work stress. I've asked him if he's waking with erections in the morning to try and kind of discern if it's more of, you know, an emotional issue with, you know, my barking at him in bed that one time or, you know, could could actually have a physiological basis. And he says he's not waking with them as frequently. He has a doctor's appointment in a few weeks um, to talk to someone about this. But in the meantime, I'm left feeling, you know, really guilty, um, really hurt because I'm telling myself that he just doesn't find me attractive. Um and really scared because, you know, we've got a couple months left of what could be great sex. And then after the baby comes, I feel like it could be a long time before either of us really feels back to normal sexually. So anyway, um, I would love to hear what you have to say about this. I'm thinking you really don't want to hear what I have to say about this, actually, because I'm going to say something you're not allowed uh, to say to pregnant women when you're married to them. I've never been in the position of being married to a pregnant woman, so I can say this to the whole world. Um, oh, the miracle of life and changes to your body and this person tucked up inside you at the top of your vaginal canal. You may feel more attractive. You may be super duper horny. It doesn't follow – always that your male partner finds you as attractive or is as horny. He may be spooked by fucking you when uh, you're carrying around uh, this infant, this fetus that is half his, this child that is going to be half his. It may, you know, threes a crowd for some guys when they're with their pregnant wives. And it can seem ooby and spooky and gooey and, and, and just – Kind of a boner-killing mindfuck, but they know these guys, guys who are married to pregnant women, they know they can't say this shit out loud because of Armageddon that would ensue if, if you said that sort of thing out loud. Um, so if that's how your husband is feeling, you need to ask yourself whether you would want him to say that to you, whether you would want him to tell you the truth because – you know, uh, one awkward, you know, long-term partner's grumpy, you know, collapse of a sexual encounter because of the mistake with the, you know, not dividing the time between both breasts evenly. And, and then your desire to convene, you know, a blue ribbon panel to get to the bottom of this like it was fucking 9-11 or Dunkirk and you have to have this massive investigation to determine exactly what went wrong so that it can never happen again careful, lady, because you may put him in a position where he winds up saying things that can't be unsaid and things you don't, and, you know, you don't want to hear. This is one of those instances where 
you just sort of kind of say, oh, we had a little stutter step there in our sexual connection and we're going to trust that our sexual connection is going to come roaring back and not examine this too closely and let it fucking go. Uh, and just, you know, for the next few times that you guys are intimate, just be intimate. Just hold each other. Just masturbate together. Make it less fearsome. You know, maybe he's less – maybe he's a little goobed out by, you know, that person at the top of your vaginal canal and stuffing your dick up there is kind of freaking him out. So him knowing that's always what is going to be expected of him is chasing his erections away. So maybe if you just downshift to other forms of sexual intimacy that are as orgasm-inducing as vaginal penetration, like mutual masturbation, like oral sex, like just rolling around, like fantasy play, uh, he'll be more game and his boners will at once be both uh, – more present and less crucial to an encounter like that. So if he does lose his erection, so fucking what? If he's eating your pussy, it doesn't matter if he lost your erection. Although maybe eating your pussy is as gooey as fucking you when there's that person at the top of your vaginal canal staring down at him. Anyway, my advice to you is to trust that it will come back uh, rather than convening a star chamber to persecute your poor loving husband who may be feeling a little bit more conflicted than he knows he's allowed to admit to you, that he knows in his heart would be cruel uh, to say out loud. And uh, I know in my heart that <laughs> I'm going to get so much trouble <laughs> for this. But there you go. You asked what I was really thinking and I told you what I was really thinking. And, and of course, this, you know, pregnant ladies everywhere listening, I'm sure your husband is the exception. One more thing I want to add. If you want your partner to sort of bounce back post-pregnancy and regard you know, your genitals as the funhouse ride he always regarded them as, please don't have him at the birth. Or if he's at the birth, not between your legs. I, I know I'm getting stared at. I'm getting glared at by certain, uh, certain people who shall uh, go nameless but whose initials are Nancy Hartunian about this. But I get letters. I get letters every day. From straight guys who had the catcher's mitt on and who were down between the legs for the birth and are kind of struggling with putting mental images out of their heads so they can resume uh, eating that pussy that spat out that kid of theirs uh, and fucking that pussy that spat out those twins. Uh, so just, I'm just saying, you know, if you if you want everything to resume more quickly uh, letting your husband be up at the top by your shoulder instead of down between your legs. Always a good idea. Air on the side. You know, I'm not saying that all guys who are there have this problem, but enough do. And most of them who write to me about it didn't expect to have this problem. So I would err on the side of your sex life roaring back by not asking or even allowing, if it's what your husband wants, him to be down between your legs while your vagina is spitting a human into the world. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 28-year-old woman. Um, and I guess this is a bit annoying where people say, oh, I'm gay or I'm bi or whatever. And that's kind of why I'm calling you. Um, when I was 19, I came out to my friends as bi. And they were all super unsurprised. And I uh, was quite disappointed that my exciting fact was, you know, a reality for them already. Um, I kind of messed around with some girls when I was 19, 20. But since then, I have pretty much always been with men. In fact, for the last five years, definitely have not had anything to do with women. It isn't because I don't want to. It just seems like I have never 
had the opportunity or I haven't been putting myself in an opportunity where it could happen. I feel like it's been so long now that I'm actually kind of scared of it. I am kinky and have started going to events. And when I go and a woman flirts with me, I suddenly feel like a teenager again. And I am scared. And um, and I kind of just kind of back away nicely. But I'm definitely attracted to women and I want to do something. But I feel like at 28, if I meet a woman and I tell her I have no idea how to work your genitals any better than mine. And I've been dating men exclusively for the last six, five, six years. And they just think I'm an idiot and I don't know what to do. I know they have alcohol in England. I've seen it. I've seen you people drink. I, I would encourage you to have a couple of drinks. That's what alcohol is there for. I'm not encouraging you to get blind drunk or to get so drunk that you can't give meaningful consent, as they say. Just a couple of drinks to take the edge off. That's what booze is for. It disinhibits, which can be you know, a terrible thing if what it disinhibits you around is acting out in really self-destructive or inappropriate ways. Uh, or, but it can also disinhibit in this way like you described. Like it, you could just take the edge off those nerves. Uh, so knock back a couple of drinks and then don't worry about being nervous. Then don't worry about admitting to it. You know, usually where people get hung up when they're nervous or they're stressed out, you know, they're in a place like this and people are flirting with them. The nerves, I don't want to say they come – from, but they are certainly intensified by, and the situation's made worse when you try to hide that you're nervous. Um, you know, you're trying to be cool and smooth and fun and attractive, and somebody comes up to talk to you, and you act like a total, you know, shaky bag of slop because you're not just nervous; you're also trying to mask your nervousness, which draws attention to it and makes you really conscious of it, and it turns your nervous energy into something deeply unattractive to that person because they just look at you and go, "What the fuck is wrong with this person?" What you do at that moment is you say, oh, my God, you know, you're really cute and this is making me really nervous talking to you. You just throw it on the table. You admit that you are feeling awkward, that you are feeling nervous. And then then it's out there. Then it becomes a subject of conversation. Then that person who's making you nervous by paying attention to you, they have the ability in that moment to diffuse some of those nerves, to, to you know, to make the flirtatious encounter about talking you off that ledge. Uh, so just – out with it, out with it, out with it. You know, you're at that place. You're, you know, you're at that club. Girls are flirting with you or a girl comes up to you. You've had a couple of drinks to take the edge off. If she makes you nervous, say, oh, you make me really nervous. You know, I'm, I, I've been with girls a long time ago. I've mostly been with guys since. I really uh, am wanting to explore my buy side again. But, you know, uh, I'm just having a little bit of nervous freak outedness about it. It's almost like I feel like a virgin again for the very first time. And then see how she reacts. And if she reacts – you know, in a dismissive, dicky way because she isn't attracted to people who are nervous, then she's no one you want to be with. And if she reacts in a way where she wants to like, you know, hold your hand and talk you off that ledge or she says, you know, she may laugh and say, me too, the first time I came here, the first time I slept with girls, uh, you may connect over your nervousness. You may wind up in bed with that woman because you laid it on the table because you threw your nervousness out there and that was then what you bonded over. Anyway, good luck. I'm going to give an answer to a call that I'm not going to let you guys hear because this person, you know, if his call was on the show, people would recognize his voice. Uh, this person described his family situation in so much detail that anyone who's even generally connected to his life is going to recognize him and he's uh, in a line of work. That's kind of the, the problem here. This person is a pastor and he uh, is in conflict with his wife. She's not terribly sexual. 
and he uh, watches porn. She disapproves of porn and she extracted an agreement from him never to watch porn early in their marriage. There's some, you know, many, many years on into the marriage and uh, they're not having sex at all and he's watching porn and he's acutely aware that this would piss his wife off if he got caught. But also that people in his particular denomination, pastors and church officials, when they have been caught watching porn and not illegal porn, not child porn, just your run-of-the-mill porn porn that they have been fired. So he not only is risking his marriage, uh, he's also risking his uh, career. He wants to know what to do. I think he should get into uh, another line of work, maybe get an honest job, but that's just me. Um, this is a situation I don't think anybody really wants to be in, caught between uh, you know, a wife who has certain sexual issues that I'm not going to unpack because I feel like that would uh, point a finger at this guy. Uh, that make their sex life sporadic and very tightly controlled and not very satisfying and not very free uh, and his desire to get his needs met you know on the side you know to 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 soak up all that excess sexual energy of his not by cheating he says he doesn't want to cheat he wants to without a lot of guilt watch some porn he wants to possess porn uh, and enjoy it and get off to it um and I ain't got no magic words for you, dude. This is one of those cases where you can't, you know, come to me with a thoroughly screwed pooch and say, "How do I unscrew this pooch?" Well, I don't see how this is an unscrewable pooch, considering who you married. That's un unscrewable, and your line of work, which is un unscrewable, unless you get into, like I said, unless you go get honest work. You're, you know, running a real risk here, and there is no answer. There's no good sort of fucking thing for me to tell you. I, I think you should go to your wife and say, I will, you know, we should have the deal that all sane married people have about porn, which is I pretend not to look at porn and you pretend to believe me when I tell you I don't. And we both know that we're lying. Uh, and, 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 and upholding that lie requires me to be insanely circumspect, insanely discreet. And, and there's a certain, you know, amount of constant consideration for your feelings in, in, in maintaining that level of discretion that you never uncover it. But then if, you know, accidentally once or twice over the course of marriage, you, you know, run across a little evidence, you repay my consideration by turning a blind eye. That that's how you are considerate to me as I am being considerate to you. And if you can have that kind of adult conversation with your wife about Porn because of her particular issues and the victim card that she legitimately can play, then I don't really know what to tell you except to kind of keep doing what you're doing. You're in a terrible position and in every respect, you know, professionally and personally. And there's really no way out for you except radical honesty. You know, maybe you could find a denomination like Unitarian Universalists that aren't so insane. Maybe if you weren't working in a faith tradition that cranks up the kind of sex phobia that gets pastors fired when they find perfectly non-kitty porn on their computers, you wouldn't be in this position. You, know, you wouldn't be risking your professional life as well. But you're either going to have to just live with the risk that the porn consumption is you know, bringing to your personal and professional life or radical honesty with the wife, let the chips fall where they may and find honest work or find a new faith tradition. Hi, Dan. Um, I just listened to your most recent episode um, in the segment about the um, photos that the woman found. 
um, that her boyfriend has of uh, his ex-girlfriend. Um, and I just have a, a question because I have some similar situation, but my boyfriend still has them on his cell phone. And he's told me that he uses his cell phone for um, masturbation. So I haven't seen photos. Um, I haven't gotten mad at him or anything about it, but it does feel a bit like a a betrayal if he's looking at his, you know, recent ex-girlfriends on his phone um, and using that when he masturbates. So, yeah, so what do you what do you think of, of that situation? Um, should I be mad? Is this uh, sort of the same deal um, as what you said to your last caller? Um, yeah, thanks, Dad. You can be mad if you want to be mad. Um, anger isn't going to, you know, edit his masturbatory Rolodex, uh, whether it's on his phone or in his brain. You say that he has photos of his ex, that some of them are on his phone. You say he uses his phone for masturbation. Um, you don't say, and it doesn't sound like he said, that he masturbates to photos of his ex on his phone. Uh, maybe he does. You should tell him. Uh, it, it bothers you if it bothers you. Uh, you shouldn't then expect necessarily that it'll stop. I mean, he can tell you that, oh, yeah, I will never masturbate to my ex again. But, you know, the ubiquity of photos, the ability to just take photos of goddamn everything, guys would lay back and masturbate, girls too, and they would flip through um, the Rolodex in their head and they would pick out, you know, people they wanted to fuck or people they had fucked or, you know, ways they wanted to fuck or fuckings that they'd actually done in situations they'd been in and they would masturbate to it. So your boyfriend uh, potentially – uh, even if he didn't have a cell phone, even if he didn't have pictures of his ex, could be masturbating to mental images of his ex. Your boyfriend could be playing mental images in his head of his ex while he's fucking you. So, you know, there's a limit to the the ways in which we can control our partner's erotic imaginations, their erotic Rolodexes, their wank banks or spank banks or whatever the kids are calling them these days. But you are, you know, you having a feeling, you should be able to express that feeling to your boyfriend and say, kind of creepy that you have these pictures of your ex. They're so easily accessible and that, you know, kind of creeps me out that you're masturbating to pictures of your ex when you're with me, frankly. And then see what he says. Maybe he'll say, oh, yeah, that is, you're right. I'll delete these pictures of my ex. And then you can go full on psycho and go through his phone if you want and make sure that they're all gone. Or he can say, I'll put these pictures of my ex away or, you know, put them on a disc and, you know, because I want to keep them as a memento, uh, but not have them so easily accessible so you don't have to worry about him always going right to the pictures of the ex on his phone when he jerks off. Uh, but folks, you know, you need to reconcile yourself to the fact that people have fond memories of people they've fucked before they started fucking you, unless you married an Amish virgin. Uh, and sometimes people will masturbate to those fond memories. Policing how exactly they call up the mental images, whether they're shutting their eyes and picturing it or whether they're, you know, scrolling through the saved photos on their phone and looking at it. It seems like a distinction without a difference to me and kind of a waste of emotional time and energy. Hey, Dan, just listen to episode 308 and have a comment for the caller who has a GGG relationship with her boyfriend but doesn't like the fact that he will go into the next room and masturbate behind her back. Maybe part of what he likes is that she's in the next room. She should maybe talk to him about that. Maybe he doesn't want her to leave or jump in. He might get off on the fact that she's right next door but not there. Food for thought. Hi, this message is for the caller in 309 whose wife wanted to close their marriage after they had kids, even though they'd been a swinging couple for a few years. 
I was just calling to say that my husband and I have a 19-month-old daughter, and we are still active in the swimming community. It's all about setting expectations and knowing that, sure, maybe you won't be going to that swingers orgy every Friday night, but maybe you make it a once-a-month thing that, you know, it's just for the two of you. And also, uh, be patient with your wife after she has the kid. I took a year off from swinging, which is exactly what I needed to get my body and life and mind wrapped around this little new person. I know other couples who the wife took three or four or six months off before they entered the swinging community again. So it's uh, it's a little bit more work, but uh, it can be done and it is still worth it. I hope it works out for him and his wife. Hi, this is in response to several times that you mentioned that being in an open relationship or monogamous is not like being gay and therefore could stay in the closet. I strongly disagree with you. Meeting somebody who is into open relationship has changed my life tremendously. And I think people around do not know that it's an option. I see a lot of shocked faces because I'm very much out. And so I think when you are in an honest and good non-monogamous relationship of any kind, it should be something that people know, even if your mom doesn't want to know about it, because it is way more like being gay than putting some clips on your nipples or whatever other kink you have. It's not a kink. It's who you are. It's not uh, something you do. It's something you are. And we're going to leave it there. Once again, tickets for Hump, the Pacific Northwest's biggest, best, and only amateur and locally produced porn festival on sale now at humpseattle.com and humpportland.com. Come and see us. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a question or a call for a future show, give us a buzz. You can also leave comments on every show at thestranger.com slash lovecast where there's an active comment thread and a growing community of commenters. <laughs> Nancy Hartunian produces the Savage Lovecast here on the 23rd floor of the Washington Mutual Building overlooking beautiful Puget Sound. And me and Nancy and the tech savvy at-risk youth will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for downloading.